Tom, do you remember climate change deniers? I do. They were they were they were a big thing. Um, they were around about the same time as like the Libertines and stuff, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were like early early two thousands to the sort of two thousand and eleven, twelve that sort of time. It yeah. was like a prime time for a certain species of person who was a climate change skeptic. Yeah, you got a lot of them. There had been no warming since nineteen ninety eight. All that sort yeah, of yeah, business. Yeah, 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 yeah. And. So, um, uh, the, the Romans grew grapes in Britain and, you know, you know that sort oh, of yeah, thing. Oh, yeah, in the 5th century or whatever, yes. Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. You're quite right. And um, oh, there were all sorts of things. What were the the things sun, it's all about the, it's it's all actually about the, the sun, sun spots. Yeah. Uh, carbon dioxide is plant food. That was a good one. It's I actually mean, good. Yeah, they were yeah, like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this the, is good. It, even if it's, it's not happening, but it but it is good if it... Yeah, if it is happening. It happening so happening, so yeah. it's, do you remember the, there's a thing called kettle logic? Have you ever heard of kettle logic? Um, no. Okay, so uh, it's, 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 I can't remember which philosopher said it. It's an example. He said, this, but this story about someone who's, 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 someone who's, who's accused of borrowing his neighbor's kettle and, and breaking it. He said, I didn't borrow, my, borrow, borrow your kettle. And also, it was broken when I got it. And also, it's your fault that it broke. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, 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 just sort of covering all bases there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, the sort of, I, I didn't have it, but I did also have it. Anyway, you know, yeah, so I feel like that. So it, it, it's not warming, but the fact that it is warming is good. Yeah, so that would be good. Know, yeah. That would be yeah, great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Plants yeah. would have um, more food. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so the, the, the point is, you don't really see this sort of person on the news anymore, and I think that might have been a deliberate uh, choice by like Lots bodies media, like the BBC yeah. and things like that. These, like, it always, whenever there was a climate change discussion at all, you would always have somebody from like the Global Warming Policy Foundation or whatever they were called who would be like mm. a, a, a climate change skeptic. Uh, yeah, you just don't get that anymore. No, it was a balance. Well, the, uh, that is actually like I can talk a, a little bit knowledgeably about that. There was in t- I think 2011, the um, the BBC sort of uh, commissioned a review into its into its science coverage, uh, led by Steve Jones, who I think is UCL, is he um, a geneticist at UCL yes. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, good guy. He used to write for the Telegraph. He um, and he basically came back saying there's an awful lot of this false balance bullshit, which is, you know, like on the one hand, we'll have an expert in the field. And on the other hand, we'll have some bloviating idiot from, uh, you know, and, and actually you yeah. don't need to do that. If there, if there is strong scientific consensus on an issue, you don't need to balance out. You know, yeah. and, and I, I, I actually don't know if I agree complete, with that. Yeah. This is possibly a discussion for another time, but I don't actually know if I agree with that. I think I it's think- complicated. Because yeah. something, because you because you have to be sure that you know what the scientific consensus well, exactly. is. Well, exactly, and, and you can it. be misled by a false consensus, as has happened in many yeah. in many places. I also don't think I really like the whole thing about ninety nine percent of scientists believe this. Therefore, you know that that's been yeah. pushed quite a lot for the climate the climate. Yeah, thing. I yeah. I think what it should, I mean, the ideal situation is you have someone on to make the counter argument if that person can show with data and good logical reasoning that the counter argument is actually valid and it's yeah. not just and he's not just some guy you know or, right. and it's and <laughs> yes. not just having him there for the sake of having someone who disagrees which is you know but um well i think that can be pedagogical if you allow me to use that term uh i, I think it really can be quite <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> i think that can be helpful and educational to have somebody on who makes arguments that people might have and or might have heard which are then rapidly debunked by someone who knows who knows better. I think that's good. But wouldn't would you feel that way if it was like do, uh, someone coming on say smoking doesn't cause cancer? Um, on well, the I mainstream? think I think if anyone worth their salt would be able to say uh, yes, it would be able does. to show why that was wrong very very rapidly in a very convincing way. Uh, yeah. I think scientists should be much more up for debate. Anyway, this is a 
we're already in a tangent. The first yeah. two minutes of the show, we're in a tangent. Yeah, yeah. The reason right. that we're talking about this is that today's episode of the study show, welcome, uh, right. um, is, is about climate change. Um, we thought it might be uh, something a bit different. We tend to uh, lean on kind of health and behavioral sciences stuff because that's kind of where our backgrounds are and sort of things yeah. that we know about most. But we thought it would be uh, a bit more interesting to look at some of the uh, recent uh, news and some of the recent studies and so on on uh, climate science, climate models, predictions yeah. about climate change. Projections, uh, Stuart. Projections, sorry, yeah, I'm actually, yeah, that's a bad word. Yeah, the yeah, word yeah. predictions is a bad, is a bad word. Yeah, so, um, yeah, we'll be getting into that later on. So, um, Tom, uh, you, and you talked to an actual climate scientist for this, right? I did, yes. Um, yeah. Professor Carsten Haustein of the University of Leipzig, who I used to be at University of Oxford a few years ago. It's how I, I knew him from... Um, and it's for interviewing for a piece I did for BuzzFeed many years ago. So, he, wow, so yeah. as always, uh, use, useful insight is thanks to him, and cretinous errors are due to me. Um, so, <laughs> no, definitely uh, not me. No, no, obviously not. No, Stuart's had no input in this whatsoever. He's a complete yes. spare wheel. Um, but, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, and also, of course, if you enjoy what you are listening to, please do like and subscribe or leave a positive review, a positive review, mind, on uh, Apple Podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah. Keep that uh, or, average up. Yes, exactly. And of course, if you really like it, you can become a paid subscriber at thestudiesshowpod.com. Uh, so, you know, get to it. Um, Excellent. Thanks. Smash that like button. Yeah. Thanks uh, for subscribing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, so why is it that everyone's... T- I mean, obviously, even though there's no climate change deniers on the news anymore, climate change is still massively in the news uh, and is a massive, massive deal. Um, why has it been in the news particularly recently? Well, it has been pretty spec. I mean, the, this 2023 was the hottest year on record by a, a comfortable distance. Oh, it sure. was, um, I mean, there were, there were just, it, the thing is, the difficult thing with climate change is that, you know, if there's a wildfire or a storm or something, it's very hard, you know, very hard to say this bit was caused by, you know, if you slightly weight some dice, yes, and then you roll a six, was that caused by the slightly weighted dice or was it just, it was just made more anyway. likely? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, know, you, know, you don't know. But anyway, but the point is this last year has definitely been loads warmer. It was, well, but do you remember in 2015 there was the the world's government at the at the COP26 the international the um sort of panel about the international yeah. meeting about climate change and what to do about it they in the Paris Accord, accords they agreed to try and limit the um, temperature increase increase to 1.5 degrees above pre-industrial levels yes. um that was one that Donald Trump pulled out of when he became president he did right? yes yes yeah. so another uh, spectacularly brilliant idea no doubt um <laughs> but yes he uh, but that, that so the reason 2023 was sort of so alarming was because it was on average more than 1.5 degrees hotter than the entire the pre-industrial average so if you, if you took the the average temperature of every year of, of like 1800 or something like that, mm. of, then, then the, the, the global temperature was like 14 degrees or something average temperature so, so, temperature. so 2023 was an example of a year so it's not that that means that we've we've hit that 1.5 threshold because it, it's just one year and yeah you would you would measure the 1.5 over a longer period but it's an example of a year of, of what it would be like to be above that threshold exactly. that we want to keep things below yes by, and, by, and, by and, 20 what by by but, but i think time? well forever we have to we want to keep it by keep it right. we don't want it uh, but i mean i think speaking to Carsten, at least i mean it's pretty likely we will go above it but it was it was a somewhat arbitrary threshold above that thing bad things get more likely i think is the idea the more spectacular effects um yeah but yeah the idea is that 2020 the, the we don't consider it to have gone above 1.5 degrees in the long term yet this is the this last year has been 
really hot because it's been driven by the El Nino uh, phenomenon. Yeah, mm. So there's the El Nino is basically normally trade winds blow west around the world, um, and they take. They, what's, wait, what's a, a trade wind? So okay, so I gosh, can I try and explain this? The 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 the, 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 the Earth spins, right? You know that. Yeah. You're, oh, you're really? comfortable. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty. It's pretty. It's interesting. It's yeah, re- it's we're not... getting really out of our getting into yeah, some real exactly. technical technical science that's out of yeah, our comfort so, zones here. So some of some of you may have thought that the Earth was held the the center of the universe and that the 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 heavens the spheres of the heavens orbited around it, but no, you could you could not be more wrong. That's been um, debunked. That's a debunked. Uh, that, yeah. Watch this view get smashed on the yeah, exactly. Ship. We are now we are, we are. Geocentrists here on <laughs> no, no, we're not geocentrists. That's the whole point. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Heliocentrists here on the, yes. on the study show. Um, so yeah, so tra- so because the because the world spins um, and because the that means that the air in at the equator is moving faster than the air at the um, poles. Uh, so the, so mm. then you get so that that creates a sort of stable wind patterns. It means that basically. Um, for reasons that would take too long to get into here, there is a prevailing wind that blow west, blew west along the, the. I think just that's where they sort of just blow the equator, and they and they're called and that, trade winds, presumably because they allow boats yes, to trade. Yes, exactly. They were really yeah. useful if you're an 18, uh, 18th century um, yes. British, you know, in East India man sort of, yeah, uh, you yeah, know, like. Yeah. Um, and they take warm water. They sort of the, that that motion of the water of the wind pushes water from uh, the from the Pacific west from the Pacific from South America towards Asia, in. El Nino. Uh, so then, that wa- that warm water is sort of replaced by cold water rising from the depths, and that cools the surface temperatures. That's that that's the sort of standard behavior each year. In El Nino mm. years, which was spotted in, the, the, it's called El Nino, which means the kid, the boy, the little boy, in Spanish, um, yes. because it was spotted by uh, Spanish-speaking fishermen in the sort of 1700s I think, or 17th century. I think. Huh. Um, it was called El Nino de Navidad the, the, because it was spotted in December. Um, was, but they noticed they get warmer waters in December. Uh, in El Nino years, these trade winds weaken. The warm water then pushes back east across the west coast of the Americas. Um, and that causes various climate alterations, but most especially it causes warmer surface temperatures around, you know, and oh. average global surface temperatures. 2023 saw, and we haven't, I don't think yet quite finished it. Oh, we saw a particularly strong El Nino. Um, we also had a big volcano, which normally volcanoes are quite cooling because they blow lots of um, sulfur dioxide and sort of particulates into the atmosphere, which cool, you know, which which block sunlight and keeps uh, and keep the sun out. But um, mm. this uh, th- this particular one was in Tonga, I think. Um, Nothing to it, worry about then, right? Yeah, it's a so volcano. Yeah, else's problem, it's El yeah. Nino. Nothing. Everything's fine. Climate, yeah. Climate change. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the vol- Yeah. So, but um, that's obviously this is on top of years of. Uh, of warming, um, oh, but yes. So, so there has it's it's a bit like so. On top of the years of warning, this El Nino led to some insanely high temperatures. It'll probably fall. I don't. I mean, uh, I I imagined it would, and Carsten Hausstein, Carsten Hausstein agrees that it'll probably fall this year because El Nino is generally replaced by La Nina, which is the uh, sort of a counterpart, which is you get a sort of cooling part of the cycle. The water, right. the water's become more. So that oh nothing, nothing to worry about there. Yeah, exactly. Everything's fine. Yeah. So don't be fooled. This is um this is actually exactly what happened with. Remember we were saying at the beginning we were talking about the um uh about people saying uh, there's been no warming since 1998. And they said they're all for some reason they were all Yorkies. that was such a common thing. They they yeah. they would find graphs that you know 1998 was a particularly hot year, and then they would like cut the the years you know to make it look as if 1998 was you know they would start at 1998. Hmm. And then they'd show that all the years subsequent to that were were not particularly were yeah. not particularly hot. But then 
it would it only took like what until 2014 or something until it was it yeah. was higher than that 2014 15 16 or if i'm remembering rightly i haven't checked yeah. this but all three and if you zoomed out further back you would see mm-hmm. that it got much hotter up to 1988 in a sort of sort of sawtooth way right yeah um yeah. anyway so it, it was just like a a really bad example of like cherry picking cherry picking with uh, data cherry. And, and, and picking particular spots I to start you. drawing your oh, drawing hello. your line that makes that makes that line look the way you want yes uh, yes exactly it, it, be, yeah. exactly that so no, that was because 1998 was a strong el nino year and it pushed, oh, started to push heat up that surface temperatures up heavily that year um and then it took it, but it was like it was as though the metaphor i've used before in something i've written was that it was as though there'd been a particularly large wave on a beach during you know the t- tides the tides coming up and a boat mm. goes past and it pushes a particularly large wave on the beach and it reaches higher up than any of the uh, any wave does for a little for you know for another half an hour or something like that but the tide's still coming up like one anomalously yeah. large wave it's like someone standing and say oh, my, my sandcastle will stand forever for the <laughs> uh, you know because the it's and it's not um but it, it wasn't that at all so don't be fooled when 2024 is you know 2024 is not as warm as 2023 and probably 2025 won't be either it's just and, it's and just, if and if we still had the same media ecosystem that we did back in the day we'd have people on the news all the time saying hmm. look it's gone down uh it's not as hot as 2023 all this stuff about global warming is is, is all a nonsense. Um, yeah. I suspect we won't have very much of that. You might hear hear it in social media, but like yeah. you won't have that generally in like the mainstream media like you did twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all the time, all the time. There was a real an industry of it. It was. Uh, yeah. I know. Yeah, anyway, I, I I take your point that sometimes having people who disagree is a good thing, but there there was uh, I, I mean, who knows how much difference it made, but it was definitely it was very annoying. Um. Uh. Okay. So the the key question, right? Is you know if, if you want. What the what well what mainly what we're going to be talking about today is what the projections are about um, about how about warming right about how yeah. much the climate is going to warm and and the key question is like how sensitive the, the, the sort of how sensitive is the climate to atmospheric carbon if you if you if you if you uh, pump more uh, pump more carbon dioxide into the atmosphere which we're constantly doing how much warming does that make and what you know and then how what effect will that have because this right. The idea that carbon dioxide will warm the planet is not new. Like people have known about it. There was um, a Swedish physicist called Svante Arrhenius. Arine, I don't Arrhenius. I don't know how you pronounce that. Um, Svante Arrhenius. He, he, in 1896, and he pointed out that um, uh, CO2, carbon dioxide, is it's like uh, the atmosphere is basically 80% nitrogen, 20% oxygen, and a tiny trace amount of of uh, carbon dioxide. So that's mm-hmm. the, those are the, those are the three main gases and some other tiny little amounts. That, but they're all transparent to visible light. They're, you know, they're, they're invisible. You, know, you can see through them. Mm-hmm. But CO two, unlike nitrogen, oxygen, is opaque to various waves wavelengths of infrared light. So heat, ah, like so, so heat. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So you're phys- You are physicist. So you want the heat to radiate back into space. For, you want yes. the heat from the sun to radiate back into space, but mm. if there's a but if there's a cover in the atmosphere of of CO. Uh, of CO two, then that's not going to radiate back. It's going to exactly. get trapped. Some of it will. Some of it will. Some of it will come. To, so the the visible light will come down to the Earth's surface, where it will be. It's, its energy will be absorbed by the uh, the by the Earth. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's the dark, but it's like dark things absorb light, and it will that and that energy will 
be it will be re-emitted as heat. The, the, mm-hmm. It will slightly heat the world up, and that the heat will the world will then radiate out heat. Some of which is then absorbed by the CO two. It's a bit like putting a blanket on, um, mm. blanket around the world, or 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 I suppose pretty much pretty comparable actually to a literal greenhouse. Hence the greenhouse effect. You know. Yes. Um, the presence of CO two in the atmosphere as it started out, you know, as it as it has as it um, was, you know, pre-industrial. There's always been a small amount um, mm-hmm. that raises global temperatures by about 30 degrees centigrade above what it would otherwise be um wow yeah yeah which is which is a lot if you just took all the co2 out then we would be a freezing like we we need we need that to have actually i'm sounding like a um yeah climate change (laughs) scenario it's it's plant food it's good but if you if you didn't have that then we would be a freezing ice ball like uh not mercury Pluto. No, the opposite of Mercury. Yeah, exactly. More like the opposite, the, one, yeah, yeah, the far yeah. away one. Yeah, yeah. More like yeah, like Mars or something, you know. Um, yeah. Which would be, uh, I think, so the global average surface temperature is about 15 degrees. Uh, so it'd be 30 degrees cold, and that's about 15 degrees. You know, that would be the average. I guess in if you lived in the equator, it would be still above zero, mm. and there, you could life could exist, I guess. But it would be much less a much less hospitable planet if there was no co2 um and also you it is i mean it is literally plant food but that is true right it's yes. actually a true yeah. thing yeah. plants wouldn't be able to live if there wasn't carbon dioxide to make in, in the atmosphere from which they make themselves you know so that it is Makes it sense. is a good thing there is co2 yeah. yeah um but yeah the question is how much does extra carbon dioxide in the atmosphere increase global temperatures? Um, that's what climate scientists call cli- the climate sensitivity. Right. And they usually talk about how much, if you were to double CO2 concentrations from pre-industrial levels, how much that would increase global temperatures. Um, right. It's like a sort of r- rule of thumb or... Yeah, exactly. Or, or just, or just like... They've chosen doubling as a just as a as a thing. It's it's like their yeah. effect size that they, they use. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. But I mean, I think also because it is likely to happen, like they, they actually are. It is, you know, the, 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 yeah, exactly. Um, By when the end of the century or something? Yeah, I mean, there's. Uh, I, I looked at various sources, and the, some of them say very confidently it'll be by twenty. You know, uh, human behavior is very hard to predict, obviously, and that we'll come back to that in a, mm, a bit. But yes. like it, that, how, when it when it will happen, if it does happen, depends on human behavior, which is dependent on politics and technolo- technological advances, and yes. just you know, uh, social memes transmitting yeah. and behavior. It's a behavior. tricky old uh, thing to, to answer, yeah. Exactly. Um, it is worth noting that we are talking, like, the concentration of carbon dioxide is hilarious, like, incredibly low, hilariously low. It's, um, but it's an incredibly potent greenhouse gas. And so, like we've, like we've said in other situations, the dose makes the poison, you know, like the... Mm. What, it's like what, in the hundreds of parts per, per million, right? So that's... Enough, yeah, exactly. Like, if, you're, if, you're, if you're talking out of uh, hundreds out of a million, then yeah, it's a... It's a very small proportion of what's there. But before the Industrial Revolution and therefore the sort of large-scale burning of fossil fuels, there was about 280 parts per million. Um, Mm. And right now it's gone up to 421 parts per million, which is about 0.04%, which... um, I don't know if any of of our listeners uh, drink non-alcoholic beer. It's a great thing about the 2020s that there's a a wide range of really very nice non-alcoholic beers these days. Mm. Anyway, there is twelve times as much alcohol. They by are volume. made to. They are made to taste like beer, right? Which is a horrible, disgusting taste. So I don't really understand why you wouldn't just go and drink your Coke Zero. Just have a Coke Zero. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's made to taste nice, not made to taste like beer. Yeah. When, um, and and you don't actually get the benefit of the the beer. Anyway, sorry, climate change. Uh, yeah, climate change is the important thing. What was it? What? Why were we talking about zero alcohol beer? 
Because there is 12 times as much alcohol by volume in Lucky Saint Zero Alcohol Beer as there is carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. I find that quite funny. Um, right. uh, and it's expected to, the, when we're talking about doubling, uh, it's expected to reach 560 parts per million, i.e. double pre-industrial levels, sometime between 2050 and 2100, depending on what you read. Okay. Because, so like in the latter half of the century, and that would be double from where it was before the industrial revolution yeah exactly and we know that from how did ice cores have that measurement is ice cores yeah ice cores yeah ice cores you can you find a bubble you find a bubble in an ice core from the right you drill out drill out of some pristine part of the arctic or something or some glacier and you know and you you look at the layers of snow because each it's like tree rings you know each layer of snow and then you get an air bubble um you take it out and you say oh look this is and then you can also yeah there's all sorts of stuff you can like you can see how many, how many nuclear bombs were exploded in a given year because of mm. the amount? But yeah, it probably obviously in 1750, the answer is not very many. Yes, um, <laughs> I certainly hope so. Or I might yeah. have to start believing in one of those, uh, yeah. you know, those kind of weird his- history conspiracy theories. Uh, yes, where they say yeah. that the Middle Ages didn't exist or whatever. Yeah, well, um, what was it, Graham, the, the guy who thinks the the um, the, the uh, pyramids were made by ancient aliens? Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah, they dropped some it. nuclear bombs at the time. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, Svante Arrhenius, in 1896, he estimated that the climate sensitivity, which is this figure, you know, what the doubling, how mm. much heat you get if you double CO2, CO2 levels, would uh, was about five degrees. So doubling CO2 levels would lead to about five degree in- increase in temperature. Okay, that's that's higher than people now think. Uh, the usual range now, people guess, is like 1.5 degrees C to 4.5 degrees C. But it's not a bad uh, guess for 1896, you know. True, uh, absolutely. He was just he was a bit over over the maximum that we now have, but that's quite a big range from 1.5, which is what we now think is that's what we want. Yeah. To 4.5, which is like way beyond what we want. Yeah, like, which would be really bad. So yeah. there are some people who think the climate sensitivity just implies that even if we doubled carbon dioxide, that we would still get our goal. Yes. Uh, our 1.5 degrees Celsius goal, right? Well, yeah, that, there. It's it, basically. I don't think anyone thinks that as you know. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure some people, but I don't. That 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 is that is widely held as the lower end of the range. And also, but it's like yeah, it's like if you if you take the most optimistic possible scenarios from the models, then you can find that somewhere in them. Oh uh, yeah, I was speaking to Carsten. He did sort of say like. Uh, Technically, that that that's the range that's often still given, but it is narrower now, and I think, and probably, you know, it keeps centering around three degrees. So, I, I, I think the value bet is on a, a climate sensitivity of about three degrees. I think that's okay. probably the, the the safest bet. I don't, I, I wouldn't like put a huge amount of money on it. Um, there are. I should also say there are various ways of talking about climate sensitivity. It would take too long to go into them, but they are equilibrium climate sensitivity, transient climate response, and Earth system sensitivity. And they look at the climate response over different time scales. So the transient climate response TCR is the shorter time horizon one, um, which is like this is when you reach, you know, when you reach when you reach this concentration, how much temperature will have gone up given a given a slow increase. And the other ones are looking about what what it'll be like when the system, the whole thermodynamic system, has reached equilibrium at this high levels. You know, so there's anyway. So there are different ways. It's all very complicated. It is a bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's even more complicated because of of uh feedback loops right and that it gets it makes itself worse yeah because of the things that because or of better the things that happen or potentially better i guess yeah, yeah exactly yeah. yeah so there's there's in there's um yeah there's sort of uh there's exactly positive and negative feedback vicious loops. and if, virtuous uh, yeah, cycles. And virtuous cycles precisely yeah. that if um 
if the Earth was just like a black body sphere covered in nitrogen, oxygen, and a bit of CO two, then it's pr- that's the physics of that is pretty straightforward. And a doubling doubling CO two concentrations would just lead to about one degree C of warming. That's right. uh, that, that's nice and straightforward. Um, but uh, Carsten kindly pointed out that the planet has oceans. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. uh, yeah. Um, but uh, so if you if you if if the world warms up one degree then that leads to more water evaporation and water vapor is a potent um if somewhat short-lived greenhouse gas in its own right oh for god's sake yeah i know it's very unreasonable um and warming also leads to snow melt and ice melt and while ice is white and shiny and therefore reflects lots of light back into the sky which prevents slows Mm. heating um if you melt it away it's just like brown or green yeah. or something underneath it yeah or, or, yeah exactly or, or sea you know ocean like the or the ocean. sea or the, or the yeah, sea exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly um the reflectiveness of the of the earth is there's a technical it's a technical term it's a technical term is the albedo of the earth and the lower the albedo the more energy it absorbs so those are those are like positive feedback loops the, the more the more heat the more things warm up then the faster warming becomes it accelerates itself oh, you know? um that on the other hand there's also you know increased warming also leads to more clouds in some areas and cl- some clouds are sort of reflective so they increase albedo that's an example of a negative feedback you know you have to take all these things into account right <laughs> sorry um, I, I was desperately trying to think of a joke about libido like increasing libido but i can't yeah i assume they've got some similar yeah like, well, essentially yeah 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 that's a freudian term to uh, refer back to an episode we did a couple of uh, yes couple of episodes very good yeah, yeah. Uh, um and, and uh, so like my understanding is that we say that three degrees is the is the is the climate sensitivity, but actually, a lot of that, like that's the average across the whole Earth that mm. that, that 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 will that will heat up if we double the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. But that includes, as you just said, the oceans. So, and actually, on land, it's going to be higher than that in 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 many places. Is my is my understanding? So it's actually worse than than that because because um. The, the yeah. oceans will not heat up as much as the as the land and actually so so it sounds like three degrees sounds actually really bad in various ways but actually it's even worse if you happen to live on land which i believe most most of do. us yeah yeah exactly yeah. Um, i i think that's true i think also it is uneven in lots of ways in that it seems like the arctic is heating up more than other places um and yeah, also I, and there's another cool thing about that cool well no. a cool discovery but a horrible sad discovery is that last year the Antarctic started melting in in in, in much more serious ways than mm. than pre, than previously. Because normally there'd been this weird anomaly where the Arctic was melting, and that was that was you know the polar ice caps. That was all that stuff was happening in, in the Arctic. But last year it started happening in the Antarctic as well, um, mm. in in a, in a big way, and people are really freaked out about that. I believe. Yeah, well. it's rubbish. Absolutely yeah. rubbish. Yeah. Um, really bad for the penguins. But I mean, I mean, yeah. joking aside, it also probably you know the sea levels are going to rise I, I i think again it's not going to happen really suddenly this sort of you know but the, the amount of warming that's baked in from the from the, the from the carbon levels now yeah will lead to uh, this is again according to carsten but um it, it, i think the several meters two three four meters of of um uh of sea level rise but over the next hundreds of years you know it's not it's ah, not right okay not urgent but it's not you know it's still not it's great not good. if you're yeah. you know yeah exactly yeah. yeah um so okay so this i mean this is all super super complicated right it's like um i sort of jumped jumped ahead a bit there so yeah this what you've got all these different things these interacting yep. sort of uh 
aspects to it, like melting ice, changing weather patterns, increased evaporation. And you have to work out how changing, you know, uh, variable X affects this whole massive, massively chaotic system. You know, like, like weather is like the archetypal chaotic system where you change some small input and it has huge outputs right, and right. changes to output elsewhere. And we haven't even talked about stuff like, um, you know, how quickly the oceans absorb carbon or land use changes and all these different, you know, there's just millions mm. of different things and, yeah. you know, how fast people... Um, and it became pretty obviously important fairly early on that this this was you know to came forward to how much to work out how much this stuff would matter so uh in 1988 the un formed the intergovernmental panel on climate change the ipcc which oh, i'm yes. sure most listeners have heard of mm. and that assesses the literature on this stuff it also directs future research um yeah. and there are like uh, there are loads of climate modeling research units around the world though some of the famous ones are nasa nasa's goddard institute for space studies um the met offices had um, and the University of East Anglia's Climate Research Unit. There's like 49 different ones around the world that all feed into the IPCC. They've got between them 100 different models. Um, and, over, you know, as computing has got more powerful, they've got much more complicated. They um, yeah. Back in the 1970s, there were mainly these simple things called energy balance models, which didn't really tell you anything more than the, or, or predict anything more, project anything more than the temperature across the whole globe. Now they sort of, break up the whole atmosphere into cuboid pixels a few hundred kilometers along each side and a few you know two or three kilometers high and there and you get similar sort of blocks in the ocean then they, they fill each of those those sort of pixels of the um uh atmosphere out with data like a temperature humidity clouds wind speed all the sort of stuff and they pump that into some vast supercomputer that runs for weeks and you know that then spits out what the climate they expect the climate to do over you know over the next few years hmm. um and some of these models come out with uh so that have higher and higher and some have lower climate sensitivity i assume based off like how the um you know what, how, how powerfully they assume the feedback loops will go and all that sort of stuff that makes me feel quite uh optimistic that we're um advancing you know the science is advancing because of you know technological and statistical and methodological improvements um and we're getting a much better idea of what's happening than we, than yeah. we previously had. That's surely a reason for optimism. I think I mean, it certainly, I think it, the, I mean, there, there, I think there are pretty hard limits on how effective your project projections of a um, really chaotic system can be. You, you'll never have a computer powerful enough to really predict the weather a month away. So the IPCC takes all these, um, uh, these models and uh, compares them on in its co- coupled model into comparison project or CMIP. We're on CMIP six now. So they, they're, they're basically, they try and give a, an overview of the best of the state of modeling. Um, do they try and make predictions, Tom? They do not, Stuart. How dare you? <laughs> How now, dare you? Here's a funny old thing. Yeah. I used to talk about this when I taught statistics hmm. uh, to my class when I was in academia. Uh, people in social sciences yeah. and biological sciences and things like that are desperate to talk about predictions for things that the average person would not call a prediction. So for instance, if you correlate one variable with another, you mm. can say in a sense that in, you know, if in, in a world where you didn't have that second variable and you knew what the first one was, you could somehow predict what the value of the second variable was, right? Like, yeah, like shoe size predicts height. Right, exactly. When actually 
if you've got one, you can get the other one really easily. And you're not, no, one, no one's actually predicting necessarily. You're, you're only predicting in a statistical sense, not in a temporal sense. And actually, in most cases, you've actually got both of the variables anyway. So you're not even predicting a variable that you don't know. So that's mm. one, that's, that's something that happens all the time. And then you can talk about prediction within sort of machine learning models and Which is exactly the same thing. Word like prediction, yeah. like in a, in a, in a large language model and th things like that. These AI models. You know what it sounds like, Stuart? It sounds like you'd be really interested in a book called "Everything Is Predictable." Everything is predictable by Tom Chivers coming Chivers. out uh, yeah, in April, a couple of months. April, yeah. Every good, every good bookshop. Yes, but, exactly. But but um, uh, th that's not what the average person would describe as predictable. Well, I, I think anyway, because I think normally you would say that prediction is predicting into the future, right? Normally, that's yeah. what you would say. And then, of course, here comes a, here along comes a, a science where they do make long term predictions into the future but they don't want to call it prediction. So there's like this stolen valor thing in, in, in social sciences where they say, yeah. we're predicting height from shoe mm. size or whatever. Uh, and, and I don't know if that's really prediction. But in this case, the people are making predictions in the, in the everyday sense, but they don't want to call it that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so what they, what they, they do, I don't know how they, I, I just remember once getting a bit told off for calling it a prediction. It's obviously stuck with me. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> um, so they're really bitter about it years later. But they call them projections. Right, they're, they're conditional forecasts. If X, then Y. You know, okay. um, because like the hardest thing to predict, as we were saying, is obviously human behavior. Um, there's a great graph. I love it. It's on um, Carbon Brief about I, uh, International Energy Agency forecast of solar capacity. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, please, could you put it in the show notes, Stuart? Mm. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, thank you. Um, this is an amazing graph where um, each year the the you can see the the forecast of the uh, I, the IEA's forecast of how much solar capacity will be added each year, and it's always it'll basically level off, and every year it actually keeps going massively upwards in this great. Um, sort of exponential curve more reason and they keep for optimism yep exactly no it's very good news um so the cmip you know the the ipcc's modeling project projections they don't say this is what will happen they all say this is how much warming and sea level rise and increased rain rainfall all this sort of stuff we right. expect to see well we would expect to see conditional on this pathway of emissions you know if right. if, if humans commit kind of carry on emitting part uh, um uh carbon dioxide at this many megatons per year or gigatons or whatever um this is how much that this is how much warming we would expect to see but there's um, but there's a potential universe where that co2 is not emitted and thus the exactly none not of these things, yeah. yeah exactly so they're, they're not saying this is this is what's going to happen this is the most likely outcome they're saying given uh these various possible outcomes yes. there are various possible scenarios this these are the warming we would predict within them they've they've got these various broad categories called shared socioeconomic pathways, um, SSPs, which are more or less optimistic mm. on about emission levels. The Study Show podcast is brought to you by Works in Progress magazine. It's a magazine of science and technology and progress, and it's actually got its new uh Issue number 14, it's February 2024 issue. Out mm -hmm. Now, at the time of recording, Tom and I have not read any of these uh, essays and they look extremely they interesting. They do. I've, uh, I've, we, um, we've just clicked onto the onto the homepage for the first time since the new, new edition was yes. published. And yes. it looks great. It's got something by Brian Potter, who's who's the guy who does the, the um, construction physics substack, which is just amazingly nice. nerdy and brilliant looks at like technical and engineering things about the various power systems and us oh, he's, he's mm. brilliant he's i really like so he's got an essay on why we don't dig up roads to put trains underneath anymore uh, oh, yeah. or, or why or why that's uh why that's uh um why it's much more difficult now 
Um, so that sounds interesting. There's something about uh, 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 Zika, someone being deliberately infected with the Zika oh, virus yeah. to test a vaccine. So it's like oh, their it's about personal human story. Yeah, it's about human challenge yeah. trials, yeah. which are, I, which they never quite got going fast enough in the pandemic. But genuinely, if like, if you could brought, we could use yeah. them for other diseases, not just COVID. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, that sounds great. Um, and the, the 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 big the big essay is one called "The Road from Serfdom." That's a oh yeah Hayek a reference. Hayek reference uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, talking about. Um, the history of serfdom in Russia, by the looks of it, and um, mm. and and, uh, and and what happened with sort of re- reform to to, yeah. to to get rid of that uh, whole horrible system. So um, oh, yeah, and there's loads of other good, good stuff as well. We'll talk about each. Uh, we'll talk about um, individual yeah, once we've read in them, more yeah. detail once we've read <laughs> them. Yeah, but also yes. like you know as we go as we go through ads in the, in later um, yes. later episodes. Yeah. But yeah, look, we we honestly we are genuinely excited about about reading each of these, and we uh, commend them to the listeners. Yeah, that's uh, uh, workinprogress.co. Yeah. Worksinprogress.co uh, for Works in Progress magazine, and we are very grateful that as they support always. the study show. Yeah. Now back to the show. RCP 8.5 that that had these projections for like four to six degrees of warming, which really would have been a spectacular catastrophe. Yes, but so that's so at the high end double what we actually expect. Yeah, exactly, exactly yeah. that. Really, yeah. the, but that would have been barring uh, the, you know that would have been but now barring like really terrible luck with um, feedback loops and climate sensitivity. Mm. It's 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 kind of off the table now. I think okay. that it wouldn't really know. You'd have. To, I remember someone telling me for that piece that you'd have to like um, have to. Uh, increase cold cold use sevenfold or something like that in the next for and it's just not gonna you know cold's dying off hmm. um well it's dying off in lots of countries i don't know if it's dying off in china sort of okay so, uh, um friend of the pod who i couldn't find time to interview well she was she's too busy with her book but we should everyone should definitely read her book on this subject um hannah ritchie uh no relation not my wife everyone says yeah. is that your wife not my wife yeah. i'm not i'm not like you know it's a great person She's lovely. Great writer. Yeah, I, don't, I don't mean to be like distancing myself. <laughs> she's definitely not my wife. But so just to be clear, yeah, we're yeah, not yeah. bringing her up because of some sort of nepotistic, uh, you know, family relation. No. As I always say, there's just lots of people with that surname in Scotland. You say this so many times. I think maybe we should stop you from saying it every time. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yes, okay. She. Uh, Call in China. Yes, exactly. She wrote a blog, uh, blog post um, for her Substack recently, saying actually China is building loads of coal stations, but uh, each coal station is running less and less now because there's so much renewable energy they don't need it, and mainly they're just being built because it's a planned economy and they their, their metrics for success are like economic output, and right. so you just like you just people just keep like a, let's do something to show the central government that we're doing stuff. Let's build some coal plants, which then 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 she's like they're just going to have massive like massive um, white elephants all over the place coal plants you don't need communism bad are you saying no no no, no certainly not because we take no we have no politics on the studies <laughs> um you know we, we established that the other day science is completely apolitical that's, that's true uh, proved, you're right you're right it? about yeah, that yeah, yeah. Yeah. um uh anyway so uh, the question one question i think that doesn't actually get asked i i think that much and i think should be i think is really a crucial mm-hmm. of anything that makes project projections predictions anything like that First, a really important question is: Are the are the predictions any good? Does it, like, yeah, does it actually predict the future? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because um, that's the hard, thinking, like it, it, it's easy. It's, it's it's easy to say, "Oh, we predicted this," when you've already got the variable there. But you really have mm-hmm. to take a gamble when you say, "Our model predicts this is going to happen in the future," and then you have does to wait it? and see. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I don't know if you ever got 
Did you, did you you strike me as the sort of person who'd have gotten rows with climate science, climate skeptics in the 2010s? <laughs> um, it's just, it's just... Not as heavily as I did with uh, much less important issues like creationists yeah, and, yeah, yeah, um, exactly. and things like that. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I used to read all the. Um, there's a website called Skeptical Science that like digs into the uh, that gives responses to the most common, critis- mm. uh, you know, climate change skeptic arguments. I used to read that all the time. I used to read blogs like um carbon brief and things like that mm. that that would that would sort of debunk climate change skeptics yeah. and those lists of debunk the list the list of myths and yeah. how to do and, uh, and that was such a 2000 2010s yeah. uh like blogosphere thing like the the 100 most common creationist arguments i'm looking at a book i'm looking at my bookshelf right now and i can see the counter creationist handbook amazing by mark amazing. isaac which is right there and I, and, I, and that was a, I, that that's uh that's dog-eared that book i've read it so many times <laughs> when you do would you march on places waving your copies of the god delusion and stuff like that you know? we would go there was on our campus at edinburgh uni there was a it was called the edinburgh creation group and they would do a, a video or a lecture every week about creationism uh in some way like they would have a fossil person and they would have a dna person and all that sort of stuff and we would all like me and my pals would re- this is insufferable i realized we would read up mm. on it and then we would go and sit in the back and at the end of the talk we put our hands up and go oh, well actually you know <laughs> oh, God, yeah. i mean it's exactly <laughs> you, the sort of thing i'd have done but do you know what you learn a lot of biology from doing that um and, and paleontology and all sorts of other stuff as well um mm. But you are an arsehole as well, so I, <laughs> there's, there's, no, there's no denying it. I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. 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 Anyway, um, if you did get in rows with climate skeptics rather yes. than creationists, which you, you wasted your time with the creationists, Clearly. and uh, in uh, sort of 2010 and you know, after Climate Gate and all that nonsense, um, which was some row about some really milk toasty leaked emails from the University of East Anglia's uh like climate thing and they yeah. say this this result doesn't look right you know and it was just it was a i'm sure there was some a bit of something anyway, I, I don't remember the full details but i felt i seemed to be a bit of a storm in a teacup anyway um there was a lot of arguments from the climate skeptics that climate science was sort of unfalsifiable mm. because it was it was always you know we when you read stories saying the world will warm x degrees by year y or whatever it was just a model spitting out numbers it wasn't checked against any reality and I, you know, this was, I always felt it was a bit unfair because on the one, only on one hand, how else are you going to do it? You can't, you're going to, you can't run lots of experiments on different planets or, you mm. know, like do an RCT in which you pump carbon dioxide into one planet's atmosphere and not into another's, you know, you can't do that. Um, and two, they did like, they did stuff like they compared lots of models against each other for sense checking. And they also, I mean, most, the, the best, the, 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 they'd take models and run it on from, you know, run the model with. Uh, from an earlier year and see if the output it came gave would sort of match what we had seen sort of retrodicting i think they call it mm. retro yeah, 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 yeah. So if it re- but i mean if you wanted to be skeptical that's probably quite a good way of doing it because retrodictions like that how can you really trust the science we know yeah. from other areas you can't trust scientists to be to be objective. independent objective yeah. or yeah, to, yeah. Or to not for, look find the things they're looking for somehow right. so right. exactly yeah i i do think that is a a not unreasonable accusation that said now there have you know these high-res models have been around since the 1980s and there were simpler models for decades you know a couple of decades before that um and we can check their predictions against reality mm-hmm. um like uh and you might ask how well have they done um and uh, i mean I th- the answer i think is they've done pretty well they obviously they're not 
done perfectly and it's a chaotic system and but uh, uh, Carsten Haustein said that like in that big period the 1998 to 2012-ish uh warming hiatus and we talked about the um the global warming pause mm-hmm. um warming was at I think I think he said warming was at the lower end of the model spread but you know you know obviously different models have different spreads but if you look at the sort of the, the median uh thing okay it was still yeah but it was still well inside the the CMIP um 95% confidence interval and this year it's sort of been sort of at the upper end although some models have had even higher warming during strong El Nino years given the existing CO2 levels so I mean it it's never like strayed way out of the, you know it's the the warming has sort of been within the um the broad consensus of what uh, what is going sometimes wobbles up high sometimes all down low but you can explain that fairly straightforwardly within the model given right. El, El Nino and La Whereas if you talk to the climate change skeptics they would they would have said you know back in the day they would have said the model just, can't predict it's just, complete, yeah, it's just nothing to do with reality it's just complete nonsense uh, yeah. or many of them many of them did uh, anyway yeah exactly um and i i didn't just want to take you know carson's word for it I did, there's a, there was a paper in 2020 by uh, do you know zeke house father um yeah from um he's at stripe climate now i think he's the boss of stripe climate or sort of high yeah. up in stripe climate which is like a you know stripe the payment company they do, I do yes. they do research who 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 pay us yes bought uh works in progress uh which is our sponsor um yep but, uh, but they also they, they do the payments for Substack, so we are doubly paid by so we we're literally so many paid, interests uh, yeah, exactly, uh, yeah. multiple ways yeah but by, by stripe um but they also have a climate research arm that are sort of that sort of do research into technologies to remove carbon from the air and things like that yeah uh, strange side cool. gig but you know i, I like it I, yeah I, I think patrick collison who's the boss of stripe just has lots of really wide interests and funds loads of interesting stuff and uh good on him yeah good for him good lad yeah. um anyway so zeke Housefather now at stripe then it was he was at the the breakthrough industry which is some californian climate research mm. place i think okay he did this paper in 2020 which was called it's a very clever title is evaluating the performance of past climate model projections in which he evaluated the performance of past climate model <laughs> projections um right yeah, yeah. Um, i remember seeing this and i did a i did a tweet about it because i was like isn't this exactly what we want isn't this like why haven't i seen this Someone mm. taking old models and saying, like, is this, did they predict what the reality would be? Um, yeah. And I suppose the answer to that question is because it's actually quite difficult to do that because to be fair to those models, you do have to add in some details about how emissions changed and, and, and so on yeah. because they, they couldn't necessarily predict that. Exactly. And, and also, I, there were, um, I look back at your tweet because you mentioned it in a, um, yeah. And because I just like to stalk you on the internet, right? Um, but yeah, and there were people in the in the comments saying, and the replies saying, actually, this has been done a few times, and here are other. There were also people in the replies who pointed me towards a, a a criticism of the paper, which, to be honest, is above my pay grade to understand, mm. <laughs> uh, and not exactly written in a very clear way. That's like a, I think, what you would broadly call a climate skeptic. Blog. She is, yeah, uh, and um, she had a guest post on her blog that sort of argued against this paper and said that actually the models are not as clearly well to explain what it is first and then we can yeah okay yeah. so the abstract the conclusion in the abstract was that um climate models published over the last five decades so going back to 1970 uh, were generally quite accurate in predicting global warming in the years after publication yeah. particularly when accounting for differences between modeled and actual changes in atmospheric co2 and other climate drivers so basically saying it did quite well um 
they looked at papers published before the 1990s, which made predictions of so the, which made predictions of global mean surface temperature, i.e., like the main thing we all talk about, the 1.5 degree stuff, mm. you know, and also like things before the 1990s, so old models, which um, you know, not no, not sophisticated, um, and I mean there, there weren't eleven papers with fourteen projections that looked at the warming, the radiative forcing, which is the change to how much energy is absorbed per square meter of ground under different um, uh, uh, under different sort of uh, circumstances, and the implied therefore the, the the implied climate sensitivity, and they so looked at these eleven papers, fourteen projections, and the IPCC's own projections, mm-hmm. and it found that for warming, ten of the seventeen models show results consistent with observation. For radiative forcing, nine of the 17 model projections examined, um, there was in the uncertainty envelope. And for implied climate sensitivity, 14 of the 17 models were consistent with observation. So those first um, two, it's not actually that good. No, but the, um, <laughs> no, 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 but the, the, I, I think the sort of the house father notes that these, these, a lot of these projections were, well, firstly, the, the misses were roughly equally above and below, though I think they tended to go above a little more than below. Right. So the argument much. there is that it's not just that they're like ridiculous panic scenarios that are overstating everything. Yeah. No, exactly. Well, which, uh, as we've mentioned before, th- those do exist, like the, the RCP 8.5 thing. Yeah, thing. absolutely. That is a thing that happens sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you can, if like, the point of the RCP eight point five was they gave also did an RCP three or something like that, you know, and three and five and six or something, you know. right? And 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 each of these are like a, a somewhat plausible pathway from here, right, you know. Yeah. And and if you if you look if you uh, and if you then just take the most extreme and pessimistic and increasingly implausible one, then you 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 can scare yourself for no good reason, right? Um, but yeah, the um uh. I think the it's a lot of the the misses were because of un, under and overestimates of emissions, if you sort of mean. So that was why some of the papers for like for warming, they just they the the thing that they got wrong was how much humanity would um, would um, pollute basically. Mm-hmm. So which I it, and once you correct for these things, the models themselves did better. Um, and also, the house father notes that like in the in in the abstract or in the in the conclusion of that thing that a lot of these projections made in 1970s there was basically no data on warming and people thought that the world had actually been cooling for some decades um Oops. because yeah and uh, the computers were basically powered by like hamster wheels right you know yeah. and they provided provided their results on little ticker tape printers you know right. it was, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. These, yeah these were not high-tech scenarios um and things are much, you know, things are they're much better. They're much more powerful, much more sophisticated. They have these yeah. uh, inc- incredibly or pretty high resolution models, you know, of the atmosphere and the sea. And they have people have greater greater understandings of like uh, how the ocean currents um, circulate and how the winds move and you know mm. all this sort of stuff. So like, I'm pretty happy sort of saying that even if these clinker built 1970s climate models made of like string and sticky tape, they 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 did an okay <laughs> job modeling the climate and probably the new sort of gently humming ones with blue underlighting and whatever they have now they probably do a much better job yeah. and they you know they probably do your taxes for you as well i don't know yeah um, yeah i i think um yeah so there was there was a criticism of this and we can post the criticism but i i really don't i i struggle to evaluate these things because i don't like these do sound like criticisms you could make like they talked about the specification of the regression model being uh, you know leading to spurious precision and things like that like but i don't know if that no. Actually, actually speaks against the the main uh, result of the paper, which is that these models have generally been quite been quite uh, been quite good. The, I, I, 
haven't seen a response from the authors to this criticism, so it's hard to know no. exactly. And what you know, th- but that, to be clear, that is, you know, we shouldn't. And I sort of am doing this. I realise we shouldn't let climate science off the hook when we wouldn't on other, si- totally. other sciences. Of course, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they have the say. Yeah, this they should. They're just as they're good statistics and all these things are just as vital in this area. Yeah, totally. And what I'm about to do is, is something of an argument from from authority, but I'm going to make it anyway because I I also am not. Uh, like qualified to evaluate the statistics in this situation, but so Zeke Housefather in particular, he's he's very you know he's he's de- definitely not a climate denier or skeptic or anything like that, but he's not someone who thinks that we are all definitely doomed and is. No. I was someone who I put on the broadly optimistic end of right, okay, yeah, this stuff, you know. So so I don't think he's out there trying to shill for big climate, right. you know. Yeah. He's he's yeah. he's um he's trying to he's tr- he's actively trying to find out really how much the world's going to warm because it matters you know because it, these are there are trade-offs involved that matter about how much we should slow down economic growth for of course yeah you know so um and and to some extent it doesn't I, although although this is a useful exercise and it's really you know it's very important to know what models are, are good so obviously for that reason but if it turned out that models from decades ago were wrong and now we've got better data that shows that the climate has warmed dramatically and we need to do something about it um hmm. that would like would it wouldn't gainsay the new evidence. It's just that it would be very frustrating that we got stuff wrong. But it's just, yeah. it's just of it is of it is of interest that the models seem to be broadly going to the right place, um, even even when they were, as you say, Rubbish. like on yeah. running on little um, on little cogs. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like to an abacus, a guy with yeah. an abacus in the back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, I suppose that's the, in a way it, it will be it is more surprising that they were quite good in a way, in the same way that it's quite surprising that Svante Arrhenius gets somewhere near the true figure right, with right, his, you yeah. know, like that. Given even, how complicated it, everything is, as you've described. Yeah, exactly. There was actually some pretty impressive efforts at predicting the future with what would seem now very primitive methods. Yeah, yeah. That uh, So, so in a way, like the, the, the surprise is that they were quite good. And, uh, and you're right. Like if, if they, if they'd been completely rubbish, I would have been a bit like, oh right, well, how how much of that early work was just was just un, un, unimportant just because it wasn't, un, 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 yeah, just because yeah. they didn't have the technology to do it properly, yeah. And it would somewhat reduce my faith, you know, like if the, if it started out badly, I would have, you know, m- maybe they've been building these ever more sophisticated models, modeling the wrong thing, you yeah. know, but but they, I mean, we we've seen things like that in various areas lots. of science before, um, yeah. But I, I kind of think that going back to the whole skeptics thing. Mm. The fact that there is so much skepticism of it, I think this happens in some other areas too, but the fact that there is so much skepticism of it does make me sort of feel that like, if, I don't know, maybe, maybe this, this is, I don't have any particular evidence for this, but I feel like there are, there are some areas that are very, that are so controversial that scientists have to be extremely careful with what they, with what they do. And mm. like, actually, you know, even just going back and evaluating your models in this way is quite a rare thing in lots of fields. <laughs> like, yeah. um, uh, I feel like because there's, this kind of rabid skeptic, you know, gang out there waiting to pounce on any inaccuracy. Um, that makes me feel slightly more confident in, in, uh, in, in some, like of a red the, some of the science actually. Yeah. Like, like a red, you know, there's red teams in programming right. yeah. in, in bug hunting and in, in uh, yes. whatever, you know, people who try and break into the, uh, the computer companies, tech companies, yeah, totally, uh, yeah. security systems. Yeah. So, okay. These models are quite good at predicting the future for some mm. definition of quite good. Uh, what do they actually say? What's our conclusion okay. here? What, should we be freaked out by this? 
so remember they don't say what's going to happen they say what probably would happen in certain scenarios oh, definitely right. not projection not prediction yeah, yeah, yeah okay yeah, yeah, okay exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway so but as i understand it the the understand the sort of central projection now if you like if countries stick to their climate pledges the implied carbon concentration leads to about three degrees of warming before yep. it levels off under ipcc projections and that's you know it's not great given that we wanted 1.5 yeah. um but you know carson says we could you know, carson says we're basically not getting to 1.5 but right. we might see 1.6 1.7 1.8 and then you know there's, then you can do things like carbon um removal and stuff it's not you know we could start seeing it come back down again i guess in the years later mm. but it's a damn sight better than it was a few years ago when the projection was for four or five you know between between four and right, five degrees right. and um, we've had technological advances like the solar thing you mentioned electric yeah. cars are vastly more common now than they were uh, yeah. all sorts of innovations in energy yeah uh, i mean th- things like led light is a quietly vital thing. yes you know the white led yeah. just suddenly yeah. makes um light now basically free yeah you know, energy yeah. For free both from the point of view of energy and carbon costs but also from actual money costs so you know, right you, yeah. it's just incredible there's no no point you like you know people but the old image of dads going around the house oh switch it all it's like the bloody black bull illuminations in here <laughs> it's like but, bloody black bull illuminations <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 um uh, it's like yeah um uh yeah so yes uh it was like that that's sort of not important anymore now heating your house matters but the lights kind of don't yes um yeah. which is great which is brilliant i still you know, turn them all off though due yeah, to me too. Me too, uh, due to reflex uh, yeah exactly residual <laughs> sort of res- yeah sort of, uh, what's the word inertia yeah and um, that's positive but obviously like already the world is 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 warmer than we would want it to be uh and we have had sea level rise yeah, um, we've had sea level rise of a few me- a few centimeters, a few meters, yeah. and we have uh, had. We'd have noticed that. You yeah. know, it, it's a, it's it's difficult to point to to say that it's definitely uh, due to climate change, but there are lots of wildfires and uh, mm. and so on that may that may or may not be uh, related to climate change, hurricanes, uh, uh, things like that. So um, that that's certainly you know that's yeah, certainly bad. Do. I wouldn't want to be well, living in uh, you know a city that. It's close to sea level, like London, say. No, exactly. What sort of idiot would do that? Yeah. <laughs> what sort of idiot would buy a house in London? Uh, <clears> yeah. <throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, the the, um, the what the, a very slight aside, and anyway, uh, I know we're running long, but anyway, the um, the the they what they do with the um, so had to say whether it was a, a thing was caused by climate change. They do attribution studies, which is not mm. like you can't obviously say this is uh this was caused by climate change because who knows right but you can yep. what you can do is say how much like more likely one was on un- something was under the hypothesis that climate change has happened than under the hypothesis that it hasn't yes right. I mean. which is um you might know it's it's a likelihood it's a likelihood ratio mm, it's, okay. a, it's right. absolutely straightforwardly it's the it's the, the quasi bayesian bit so you can all drink now because i said uh. Bayes. um and it was uh so it's just literally the set the same um, bit of statistical analysis that you do to determine how likely, how more likely some scientific results are under the hypothesis than under the null hypothesis. Mm, okay, sort of thing. Right, right. Um, yeah. Uh, so okay. So so so. so uh, and another thing to point out, by the way, is that like, there's lots of places where this will be much worse than than others, yeah. and that's bad. And that's you know, inequality in the world means that people who have are in rich countries that can build flood barriers and stuff are are in yep. a much better place than those that can't and that could be very bad and could make the world very unstable uh in in, in future yeah um, and also like the the warming we've already had implies 
so like three to five meters of sea level rise by 2500 mm. which you know is again it's not like it will happen right now but i i hope that my descendants are alive then and you know and there's just sort of it's going to be a big problem. I mean, big changes in the world. Yes. There'll be lots of like local disasters, like changing weather patterns mean that places that have always had a river running through that feeds their crops or whatever, or get regular rain suddenly don't. There'll be a drought people, there. Yeah. yeah, there'll be a, yeah, and people have to move or starve or whatever. Mm. You know, yeah. um, a, a somewhat more positive point is that people talk a lot about tipping points uh, and Carsten who was very much like you know we need to do something about this yes there's these massive inequalities and mass you know the it's going to be really bad for mainly you know for the for the mainly for the poorer parts of the world that don't that haven't yes actually contributed that much to the to the carbon emissions yeah. um is that he's pointed people talk a lot about tipping points in climate um and there are going to be quite a few. There's like the Gulf Stream slowing down and that, you know, that could stop and that could mean colder winters in Europe or, you know, a certain mm. part that could mean like the Amazon could die and this, or large parts of it, that sort of thing. Um, and these sort of tipping points where bad things happen do exist. But they're, they're, the point he made was that, and I hope I'm getting him right here. If I haven't, please do um, tell me off. But the, uh, the, there aren't, the, the most of these, these tipping points aren't like, they aren't global things that change global climate sensitivity. Like you can imagine... Um, something where like there's a runaway process where like the the world starts warming up so more water vapor comes into the atmosphere which heats the world up more which heats uh, which causes more water vapor and you end up in the sort of runaway climate change scenario mm. end up like venus you know um or like the people say talk about these methane bombs melting permafrost le- releasing billions of tons of methane and so on um but there there, there aren't any really that lead to these there aren't any that we know of that really lead to these catastrophic events they are mainly regional things that cause really horrible disasters in local places yeah and that's really bad right that's really bad but it's not yeah an existential I, catastrophe well it is a bit annoying know. that a lot of people now talk about climate change as an existential risk just for a you know sort of a you know it's nice to categorize things sort of way mm. <laughs> like yeah. it's not i don't think anyone uh, who has studied this like really sensibly thinks it's existential in, in in the sense that it would it could wipe out the human race like no that's something that is reserved for uh nuclear catastrophes and pandemics and maybe ai Artificial as we talked about in our previous thing yeah, 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 yeah runaway yeah, ai yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. scenarios luckily none of us work for any ai companies so, uh, we're, we're working on it we're working on it don't worry we're, <laughs> no, we'll, no, we'll, no, we'll no. sort it out um, you'll sort it out i don't i trust you yeah i, I um but it and that's why people like Toby Ord, who wrote this book about existential risk called um, mm. The Precipice, he doesn't put climate change. He says climate change is a serious thing and it's going to make the world a lot worse and it could kill a lot of people and could cause global instability and, and so on. Um, but it's not an existential risk in the same way that nuclear war is, um, mm. uh, in, the, in the sense that it could just wipe human civilization right off the right off the planet and you know send us back to the Stone Age or just kill everyone. Um, yeah. So... so We'll, we'll do we'll do episodes on this in the future on like how for, first of all like f- things like maybe they, we, we should talk about the effects of climate change like what sort of people how people model that and we should also talk about some of the technologies that might help deal with climate yeah. change and um, we've already done an episode of nuclear power so if you're interested in that you can scroll back a few and find and find that mm. one um but yeah, that's um. I, I'm I'm like. Um, does that make me like a, a an optimistic person? If I think that it's not going to wipe the you know human race annoying? off the planet. Yeah. You know what's really annoying is that, it, that in some people's minds it makes you a, a climate skeptic or yeah. a climate, you know, a sort of a low, a sort of the people describe it as a a lukewarmer, a, a lukewarm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like things can things 
there's a long way between fine and literally killing everyone. Yes. You know, like yes. There, there's a lot of really bad things that can happen. And, and, you know, I think, and I think the sort of IPCC's central projections are that the world will carry on getting richer and will will mm-hmm. carry on, you know, people will still have enough food to eat. And we'll do sort of episodes on that in future, I think. Yeah. But lots of people who would have had food to eat in a less climate changey world won't because right. of climate change. And lots of people who, you know, will, will starve or or die of thirst or die get diseases they wouldn't otherwise have got. The line or, will still you know, go up, but it'll go to, it'll go up at a, 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 yeah, a, a lower quickly. gradient than it should have. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah, and that'd be really bad. And loads of people will lead much less. You know, will there'll be lots much more human misery than yeah. they otherwise would have been. Yeah. And that that's bad. That's yeah. bad in its own right. Without having, you don't have to be say it's going to kill everyone. Yes, to, for it to be bad. I think. Agreed. That's real, well, there's a yeah. nice conclusion. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, climate change Things is can bad. Be bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I just shock you, Stuart? Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think climate change is bad. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, that's been uh, very informative. Hopefully, uh, people have found something interesting in there. As usual, all the uh, sources and so on are in the show notes. Um, uh, just scroll down on whatever you're listening to this on, and um, that's it from me and Tom. Please uh, do subscribe if you haven't already uh, on 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 our Substack, thestudieshowpod.com. And uh, we will see you in the next one. Bye-bye. Bye.